Hello there, and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent, and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Ida Waringa and by Stuart Weir. And on this week's show, we focus on the impact of African players in Europe over the past ten years. There might not be players as dominant as the likes of George Weah and Didier Drogba were, but Oluwashina Okaleji believes that the impact is growing all the time. From the Premier League to the Spanish La Liga to the Italian Serie to the French league on, and of course the German Bundesliga. We've seen Africans lighten up the leagues. That's coming later. Also, we talk about Riyad Mahrez's African record of five English Premier League titles, and we ask what made Man City so good this season. Also, Senegal's dominance at continental level continues as their under-17 Afcon title makes it five men's continental trophies in the last 15 months. Well, let's start at the Under-20 World Cup in Argentina, where the hosts were the first team to qualify for the round of 16. Swiftly followed by Nigeria, who went through with two wins from their first two games over the Dominican Republic and a great win over Italy. Impressive in a tough group with Brazil coming up on Saturday. Senegal need to beat Colombia in their final group game on Saturday to progress. The Gambia made a great start, beating Honduras, while Tunisia lost their opener. We'll keep following what's happening there in Argentina at the Under-20 FIFA World Cup. And the Under-17 Africa Cup of Nations ended in Algeria last weekend with yet another title for Senegal, who came from a goal down to beat Morocco 2-1 in the final. Senegal, Morocco, and the losing semi-finalists Burkina Faso and Mali will be Africa's representatives at the FIFA Under-17 World Cup later this year. Well, Senegal have now won all five men's continental trophies played in the last 15 months. That's the Senior Africa Cup of Nations, the Chan, the Beach Soccer, the Under-20 Afcon, and the Under-17 Afcon. Just amazing dominance, Ida. Incredible, Steve. This latest was a third consecutive continental title in four months, after the Under-20 Afcon in March and before that the Chan in February. And for the young lions to come from behind to win, it said so much about their character, Steve, and at such a young age. And I really like what Calf Social Media did. You see, Sadio Mane started this trend by posting the picture of him lying in bed with the Afcon trophy, and basically every winning Senegal team since took the cue and does the same. <laughs> Kaf then posted a series of these pictures, and it was quite the good touch. <laughs> yeah, nice touch indeed on social media.、Uh, to the Kaf Champions League and Widad Casablanca of Morocco, the holders will play Al Ahly of Egypt in the final of the tournament over two legs next month in a repeat of last year's final. Al Ahly beat Esperance of Tunisia 1-0 for a 4-0 semi-final aggregate win, while Widad Casablanca did it away to Mamelodi Sundowns of South Africa in a Champions League classic.、Uh, the first leg was goalless in Casablanca, and Widad came back twice in a thrilling 2-2 draw in Pretoria to take it on away goals, with Sundowns conceding an own goal in the 83rd minute in what was a gripping game. And a big turnaround for Al Ahly in this campaign, Ida. 
Steve, I'm going to have an I told you moment here. And I don't know if you can see it coming, but remember when you doubted whether Al-Ali could even make it out of their group? Granted, owing to how badly they were doing, and I told you that this team, regardless of who is coaching it, is a Champions League expert. And I said that I wouldn't be surprised to see them in the final. And well, 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 what do we have here? (laughs) But look, it is hard to imagine that this is the same team beaten 5-2 by Mamelodi Sundowns just two months ago in the group stage. The Sundowns who, by the way, will rue a horrible, almost unfair ending to their CAF Champions League season, what with that own goal in the semi-final that pretty much gave Widad the qualification. Anyway, it's a 16th Champions League final for Al-Ali and a fourth consecutive one. They are record 10-time champions. They'll be going for an 11th win overall. And you mentioned them winning the semi-4-0 on aggregate. And there's a pretty interesting part in here, Steve. You see, it was the fourth consecutive season in the CAF Champions League in which Al-Ali have won a semi-final by four goals overall. They beat Widad 5-1 in 2020. They beat Esperance 4-0 the following year and then beat Entente Satif of Algeria 6-2 in 2022. Oh, wow. Amazing stats there. Uh, the first leg of the CAF Confederation Cup final is on this Sunday, by the way. Uh, Yanga of Tanzania playing USM Algier of Algeria. We've got lots coming up on the English Premier League and Manchester City with Stuart later on. And shortly we'll be talking about the impact of African players in Europe over the past 10 years. Now, Man City's latest Premier League title means that Algeria's Riyad Mahrez has made history, winning the English Premier League five times, the most by an African player beating the likes of Didier Drogba and Yaya Toure. A big achievement to this, Ida. It's a big one, Steve. Mares has been a crucial cog in Guardiola's setup this season. And he is the only African currently in the squad, has to be said. Well, the Algerian won his first English Premier League title with Leicester. That was back in 2016. And what a magical fairy story that was for so many reasons, you know. And he's since added four at Manchester City, three of those consecutive. I mean, the numbers don't lie. And with that, he is the most decorated African in EPL history with five winner's medals. He surpassed Drogba on four titles, Yaya Toure on three. And we do have quite a few on two, like Ghana's Michael Essien, as well as Nigeria's Michael Obi and Wankwo Kanu. And we have the likes of Mane and Salah on one each. Mares also had quite the light moment this week when he disclosed just how much he's been trolling Arsenal player, friend and ex-teammate Alexander Zichenko about bottling the title. <laughs> you see, it seems the two are quite close and it was good to see that side of the Algerian as he does seem to be quite the private person. You know, he posts mainly about his football, his work with rare glimpses into his personal life. Well, Mares has two years left on his current deal with Manchester City. He will be 34 then, but for now, he has the possibility of a treble, Steve. 
Mares could yet add the UEFA Champions League and the FA Cup medals to his drawer before the end of the season. Yes, thanks Aida. More on Man City later with Stuart. Also Stuart will tell us about Chelsea's new manager, Mauricio Pochettino. And there was an exciting time in Zambia on Thursday, which was Africa Day, as the Zambia legends played the Barcelona legends with the Brazil's Ronaldinho featuring. It was the Zambia 2012 Africa Cup of Nations winning team, including Clifford Mulenga, who we had on the show a couple of weeks ago. He scored the third goal in a 3-0 victory. Other goals came from Collins and Besuma and James Chamanga. Also featuring there the likes of Rainford Calaba and Kalusha Bualia, the great Zambia legend, uh, while the Barcelona legends had Ronaldinho, Patrick Kluivert and many others in Lusaka. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can follow us on Twitter at Planet Sport FA, and you can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programs in our archive. To download the app, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. We're here at Planet Sport Football Africa. This month we've been celebrating turning 10 years as a show. It's amazing. We started out in May 2013. We've covered so many stories in African football and we've been to many tournaments and spoken to many big names on the continent. Uh, So thanks for your support, whether you've joined us recently or whether you've been a listener from the early days of the show. It's uh, greatly appreciated. Uh, So this month we've been reflecting on aspects of the African game over the past 10 years and giving you some of our highlights. This week we focus on the impact of African players in Europe over the past 10 years. Uh, We talked about Riyad Mahrez already. There's the likes of Victor Osimhen right now in Italy, uh, Sadio Mane with Liverpool uh, up to last season, and Mohamed Salah still there at the Reds. Well, I'm joined by African football expert Olawashina Okaleji in Lagos in Nigeria. Uh, Shina has given us some big interviews over the years. Welcome to the show, Shina. Yeah, thank you very much, Steve. Thank you. Um, it's good to be here. And um, it's, uh, it's unbelievable that it's been a decade on Planet Sports Football Africa. It's really flown by and uh, you've given us a lot of big name interviews that we've uh, really enjoyed. Um, So looking at the impact of African players uh, in Europe over the past 10 years, I know there can be a lot of nostalgia. People would say it was much better back in the days of George Weir and uh, JJ Okocha. But um, what's your assessment on the impact of African players in Europe over the past 10 years, Shina? I think all the names, big names you mentioned there are the same ones that paved the way for this generation. Um, as we speak, Victor Simen is the highest scoring in Africa in the Italian Serie A, and he made reference to the fact that, uh, despite surpassing George Weir's record scorer, being the record scorer in the Italian Serie A, he is grateful for the likes of Weir because they paved the way for them. So that paints a picture of how much the likes of Austin JJ or culture in the Premier League with Bolton, back in the early 2000s, and, you know, the likes of, you know, Didier Drogba, who also opened the gateway for African strikers to come and thrive in the English Premier League. We've seen over the years that there will be no African success without those who, um, you know, created, um, who were pioneers, actually. Remember this, the Zimbabwean guy, Lovu, um, as the first African to play in the Premier League, even though Bruce, Bruce Grobler claimed that easily. But, you know, um, you know, we've had Africans coming in back then. And now we have in the last 10 years seen what, um, the, since the exit of Didier Drogba, we've seen stars like, um, Sadio Mane, 
And of course, Mo Salah creating remarkable records. Statistic-wise, we also see Riyad Mahrez winning titles and all of that. So in the top five of English Premier um, of European football, I beg your pardon, from the Premier League to the Spanish La Liga, to the Italian Serie to the French League on, and of course, the German Bundesliga, we've seen Africans lighten up the league. So it's been a successful journey for Africans. And I think this generation, this last decade, in my opinion, has been the biggest and the most successful since the exit of the likes of Georgia in the European football scene. You know, when you look in the Italian Serie it's amazing to see the number of um, Gambian players who are actually playing in the Italian Serie It used to be dominated by a lot of, say, Nigerian players, Senegalese, you know, um, say, Moroccan players, all of them playing there. But now we are starting to see a lot of the Scorpion players going to the Italian Serie Interesting, and uh, also uh, in pretty big numbers in some of the smaller leagues of, of Europe as well, this uh, African impact. Absolutely. Um, when you look across Europe, um, not everyone will play in the top five of European leagues. We've seen Africans, you know, in the Portuguese league, Vincent Abubakar came to mind. He was there with FC Porto. And also we, we've seen other African players playing in other European leagues, like the Belgian league, where, in fact, the Belgian league is what I call African extension. A lot of Congolese, Senegalese, French, Nigerian players, um, sorry, a lot of Francophone African players coming into the Belgian League as well, showing what they're capable of doing. And smaller European leagues like, you know, in Slovakia, in Cyprus and other places, wherever there's a football league happening in the world, you're sure to see Africans there. Go to China, you know, Odion Igalo was a starman before even coming back to the English Premier League with Manchester United. We've also seen African players go across not just Asia, but also travel elsewhere to actually prove themselves. So um, there's no there's nowhere you go in the world where you don't find African players. And that's a testament to the talent that's on display when it comes to football. African stars tend to light, uh, light up everywhere across the world. Yeah, sure. Uh, lots to be optimistic about in terms of players, uh, Sheena. But um, with African coaches, we still wait uh, for a breakthrough there. Uh, Pizzo Mossimane certainly doing well uh, with uh, Al-Akhli in Egypt, uh, the uh, South African. Uh, but uh, as much as he's spoken out about it, he's not had a chance yet in uh, English football. Uh, Colo Toure with Wigan recently, didn't get very far at all. And uh, also Walid Regragi, uh, the Moroccan who took Morocco to the World Cup semi-final, saying it's time that there should be an African uh, coach uh, in the English Premier League. Absolutely. And um, this is something that a lot of people have been talking about. We saw Patrick Vieira before he lost his role, as before he, you know, he was sacked as coach of Crystal Palace. He kept talking about you know, a lot of black coaches are not getting opportunities to, to, to manage in the Premier League. Not just in the Premier League, but in Europe, across Europe as well. We've seen that um, countries like Belgium, France, um, are a bit, you know, receptive towards taking African coaches. Um, the likes of Pizzo Massimani, Walid Regragi, they've proven that they're capable of managing the, I think the highest level of qualification that you need to manage in Europe, which is the UEFA Pro license. And now we have the Car Pro license. These two managers were mentioned, Abid, alongside Ali Sisi. Ali Sisi with his growth with Senegal. We've seen um, other coaches too who are actually coming up, who are actually proving themselves. Otto Ado is managed Ghana at the World Cup. He's handling teams at Borussia Dortmund. But we still feel we need a lot of African presence there. And the, the fight for that will continue to go on because um, some of these countries, like I mentioned earlier, are not really confident of giving chances to black coaches, not just African coaches, black coaches as well. So when you have them doing their badges, which is like Sunday Ulisse. I mean, 
for for everything Sunday Olise has done, he's actually proven. I mean, before his problem in the Netherlands, that he can manage in Europe as well. We've seen um, Ndubisi, um who managed uh, to win the Albanian League, and he became the first African to win a European title um, with, with his club in in, uh, in the Albanian League. And that's to tell you that look, the possibilities are there for African coaches. All they need is just um, a chance for them to show what they are capable of doing. We've seen Yaya getting his bag. We've seen Kolo Toure get a chance with Wigan, like you pointed out. We've seen former African players now looking into coaching. We have Sheyolo Olofinjana, who became the technical director um, at, at Grasshopper Zurich. So gradually, I think it does be open. But African coaches will need to continue. Like Wally Gregg, getting to the semi-finals of the World Cup. We've had Piso Mosimane winning uh, multiple African Cup of Nations titles, um, multiple African Champions League titles. And now he's gone to Saudi Arabia, about to get his team promoted in the Saudi from the second tier to the top flight of Saudi Arabian football. Gradually, I think African coaches are punching, and now they need to start punching higher and get themselves into Europe because everything is possible with them if given the opportunity. Well, thanks very much, Sheena. That's a Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji in Lagos. Asking for your thoughts on this on social media, do you think there will be an African coach in the English Premier League in the next 10 years, or indeed any of the other major leagues of Europe? Uh, so African coaches and managers have made progress, and Ndubisi Egbo became the first African coach to win a title in Europe. Uh, that was the 2020 Albanian League with FF Tirana. Uh, but there hasn't been an African manager in the English Premier League or any of the other major leagues of Europe. So do you see it happening in the next 10 years? You can post a comment on our Facebook page, that's Planet Sport Football Africa, or send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Do you think there'll be an African manager in the English Premier League or any of the other big leagues of Europe in the next ten years? Now, last week on the show, we asked, do we need more flair in African football? Uh, the continent used to be famous for players like Roger Miller and J.J. Okocha and the amazing things that they could do with the ball. But uh, these days, there's certainly less flair in the African game. And some feel the game has become too European in Africa. So we asked, do we need to bring back the days of African flair with the skills, the expression, the showboating and the fancy tricks that can attract fans to the stadium? Uh, firstly, we heard from a lot of admirers of Roger Miller, who shone for Cameroon at the 1990 FIFA World Cup. Uh, Ledmi Salah says Miller was a wonderful artist, the legend of Cameroonian and African football. Alexander Munyao in Canada says a Miller was a true legend and a Jerry Irmia Bitrus Manjang in Nigeria says one of Africa's greats and Kruat Mamed says Miller is the best forever. Uh, then specifically on the issue of flair, we heard from Liberia, from Romeo Tommy, who says Africa is greater than Europe when it comes to football because we don't learn from academies and we show the great talent when we get on the pitch, says Romeo. And in Sierra Leone, Torres Sheriff zoomed in on one of the issues we talked about last week, that uh, there should be a place uh, for flair. Uh, JJ Okocha told us that uh, winning games is more important, but uh, when a game is won, you can show some 
some of those fancy tricks. Uh, Torres says Akocha, Miller, George Weir, Betty Pele, Wanko Kanu, Finity George, and a host of many others chose football as a career, not for entertainment. Uh, so Torres supporting that uh, point that winning games is most important uh, uh, more than having that African flair. Well, thanks so much to everybody who got in touch. Always great to hear from you. And next here on Planet Sport Football Africa to Europe, and there was another racism storm as Real Madrid forward Vinicius Jr. was the target of racist abuse at Valencia last Sunday. He has been targeted a number of times this season. This latest incident saw him receive support from the footballing world all over, with players and fans showing support for the Brazilian during Wednesday's game between Real Madrid and Rio Vallecano. Let's go to our European football expert, Stuart Weir, in the UK now. And uh, it's all over at the top of the table. Manchester City are the champions, doing it for the fifth time in six seasons, Stuart. Manchester City have better players than any other team in the Premier League. They have the best coach and they have probably more money. But apart from that, it's hard to say what makes them so good. City started last Sunday's celebration game against Chelsea with arguably the strongest bench in the history of Premier League football. Ederson, Stones, Goodwin, Haaland, Grealish, Rodri, De Bruyne, Bernardo Silva sitting on the bench. So Effectively, Guardiola's second-choice team went out and beat Chelsea. The goal came from Alvarez, good enough to be a World Cup winner at Argentina, but not able to get a regular place at Manchester City. Doesn't that say a lot? We must pay tribute to Arsenal's magnificent achievement, top of the Premier League, for 248 days. No one would have expected that. They played great football to do it. But really, there was a significant gulf between Arsenal and Manchester City. The two teams met three times, twice in the league, once in the cup. City won all three comfortably. City were defending champions and would have been favourites to retain their title with last season's squad. But the signing of Elling Haaland has been a game-changer. I hold my hand up. I wondered at the beginning of the season whether Haaland, for all his talent, would adjust quickly to the Premier League. I also wondered how City's team, unused to playing with a traditional centre-forward, would accommodate him. Well, 36 league goals, 53 goals in all competitions, seems to answer that question. If you remember right back to August, Steve, the season started with the charity sheet, Liverpool 3, Manchester City 1. And if we read anything into that game, we were completely wrong. Throughout the long season, Manchester City have lost in the league away to Manchester United, Liverpool and Tottenham and at home to Brentford. They also lost in the EFL Cup to Southampton, five defeats in a season. And the Tottenham defeat in February was their last defeat. Guardiola is a brilliant coach and tactician, but also a superb man-manager. He's done so well keeping that large squad happy. Other than goalkeeper Ederson, only two City players have played more than 30 league games. That's Haaland and Rodri. There's 11 players who've played 20-something games. We've got Bernardo Silva, De Bruyne, Maris, Grealish, Foden, Gundogan, each with 20 to 27 league starts. 
They're all players, I think, who would start in just about any other club side in the world. But somehow Guardiola has made them buy into the City project and accept that most of them will play at best two out of every three games. Guardiola has a notice on his office wall. You need to know what to do and you need to know how to do it. Guardiola seems to know both. Last summer, City paid over $60 million for Calvin Phillips, a player with 20 caps for England. He has made one Premier League start, nine short substitute appearances and played a few cup ties. But how could he complain when he looks at the success of the team and the players who are keeping him out of the team? As you said, City have won the league five of the last six seasons. To put that in context... It's been done twice before. Liverpool in the 70s and 80s. Manchester United, 1996-2001. And it's interesting to see how the City team has evolved over those six years. Of the team that won the league in 2018, only Ederson and De Bruyne and Kyle Walker, who struggled to be in the first team, are still at the club. Guardiola has refreshed and replaced when he needed to. Guardiola has assembled a magnificent squad of players, found a way of keeping them happy as he chooses the 11 he feels will do best on that particular day. And would you bet against them being champions again next season? I wouldn't. Um, well, no, I wouldn't. And uh, fabulous football Man City are playing. Uh, so, Stuart, it's been a tough season for Chelsea and Mauricio Pochettino will be in charge next season. Yes, we now know that he will be the new manager or head coach of Chelsea, but that Frank Lampard will remain to the end of the season. Pochettino is 51 and Argentinian. As a player, his career was mainly at Espanyol in Spain and then three years at PSG in France. People with a really long memory may remember England beating Argentina 1-0 in the 2002 World Cup with a back-and penalty. It was Pochettino's tackle that conceded the penalty. As a manager, he started at his old club, Espanyol, then had two seasons at Southampton and five at Tottenham Hotspur, and finally two years back at PSG. He was very popular at Tottenham, taking the club into the top four in the Premier League four consecutive seasons and to a Champions League final, but he never won a trophy. At PSG, he had Neymar, Messi, Mbappé. He won the French title one of his two years, But then PSG had been champion seven of the previous eight seasons before he came. And even with Messi and all the others, he was unable to win a Champions League, which was really what he was supposed to do. He has a reputation of being an excellent coach and manager, but his trophy cabinet is pretty empty. Was he the Chelsea first choice? We understand he was interviewed last September, but they appointed Graham Potter and that he only emerged as favourite this time after Julian Nagelsmann decided he didn't want the job. I think he starts with two big problems. He becomes manager of one London club, Chelsea, having spent six years at another London club, Tottenham. How well will the Chelsea fans take to him is a big question. Also, he inherits that squad of 40 players, 20 of whom joined this season, and many of them either don't look good enough or look as if they don't want to be at Chelsea. 
and he joined a Chelsea team finishing in the bottom half of the table after seven consecutive seasons in the top five. It won't be easy. And finally, Steve, he won't be the first person to manage Spurs and Chelsea. Glenn Hoddle, Henri Villas-Boas, Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte have done it before. Right, so we'll see how Pochettino is going to do next season at the Blues. So main business of this uh, final day of the season this weekend, uh, it's still the relegation battle, Stuart. Nottingham Forest's 1-0 win over Arsenal ended the Gunners' league championship hopes. But more importantly for Forest, it guaranteed their Premier League status. The team that was bottom of the table in October-November with just one win and three draws in their first 12 games after promotion, kept faith with manager Steve Cooper and have survived. And the hero was the Nigerian Awani, who not only scored the goal that beat Arsenal 1-0, but scored five goals in their last three games as they picked up those vital seven points. So with one game left, Everton 33 points, Leeds and Leicester 31 points, and two of those will go down. Leicester have the best goal difference of the three, if it comes to that. And all three clubs are at home on Sunday, when all ten games kick off at 4.30pm UK time. Everton at home to Bournemouth, Leeds at home to Tottenham, Leicester at home to West Ham. So all of them have a chance to win a game and save themselves. It's going to be nail-biting on Sunday. Thanks very much, Stuart. Uh, that's it for the show for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa and from Stuart Weir, thanks a lot for listening and Planet Sport. Football Africa is a passion for sport production.